God, we believe it. We don't just say it, we believe it. Amen. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. He won't fail. We can take a whole lot more faith steps in our lives when we believe that. Amen. We can answer every time He calls. We can say yes every time He says go. Take a step of faith every time He says leap. Amen. When we know He hasn't failed. He won't fail. He's always been good. He's still good. He'll be good tomorrow. Amen. That all things work together for the benefit of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. Amen. He won't fail. You're in here and you're like, well, you haven't seen my mess. You're right, I haven't. But I know my God. And my God can take your mess and turn it into something beautiful. Amen. He won't fail. Just submit your life to Him. Just submit your life to Him and He won't fail. I'm not just spewing out the song again. Submit your life to Him and He won't fail you. He loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. And <clears throat> Who came to Jesus a hot mess? Give me a wave. Like obviously all of us were, but some of us like were, were. You know, some of y'all were, we're like a hot mess because without Jesus, no one can come to the Father, right? And without Jesus, like, no one could be holy. So, so we're broken and we messed up, right? Yada, yada. Yeah, so we were a hot mess. But some of us, the world looked at us and they were like, you a mess, you know? I was one of those. Come on, anybody else? Even the world, by the world's jacked up standards, they're like, you a mess. And God done something great, amen? He's so good. He loves you so much. If you're away from Him, you should give Him your life today. If you don't have a friendship with God, you should change that today. Give Him your life right now. Right now, I'm gonna pray a prayer with you. And I want you to give your life to Christ. Scripture says in Romans, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. And so I want you to pray a prayer with me right now. And as you pray it with your mouth, believe it in your heart and you will be saved. And the reason I want you to do this is because I want you to live the life that God designed for you, not, not this jacked up, messed up life the world has offered you. God's got so much more, so much better, so much bigger. He wants to bless you, but He wants to bless the world through you as well. Amen. And I don't know who you are or what you've done wrong in your life, but you're welcome in His family as you are. But I also thank God that He doesn't leave us as we are. But He wants to help us become what we were designed to be. So if you give Him your life today, you're welcome as you are. But then God's going to help you become all that He says you are. Amen. So everyone in the room, repeat after me. And we'll get everyone to pray with me so that no one's praying it alone. Yeah. And I'll have everyone pray it from the front, back, right, left, on stage, everywhere. Um, but if you're away from God or you've never been a friend of God, um, I especially want you to pray this with us today. So everybody together, repeat after me and believe in your heart. Dear God, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And He died on a cross for my sin. And He rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace, and eternal life. I receive all of that. And I receive this new life with you as my Lord and my Savior. And I receive your forgiveness for my sin. And I ask for your help to leave it all behind, to live this new life the way you designed it, so that I could become all you designed me to be, so that I could do all that you call me to do. I give you my life my Lord and Savior, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family of God, amen. It says in John that those who believe in Him, He gave the right to become children of God. And uh, so you're a child of God now, amen. You always hear people say, we're all God's children, and that's a lie. 
those of us who have believed in his name and given him our lives are children of God. You are children of God. Amen. Amen. And so I just want to say bless you. And if you prayed that prayer, please text the word save to the number 25827. And we want to send you a Bible in the mail this week because you're a Christian now. And, um, and in the beginning, the devil come to Eve and he's like, did God really say? And, she, and he tricked her. And, um, and if you know the Bible though, and if you read the Bible, when the devil comes to you and says that, you can be like, yes, God did really say that. Get behind me, Satan. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free from the devil's attacks in your life. And you'll be able to live the life that God called you to live. So text that. And we'll send you a Bible in the mail this week. And then before I preach, though, I do want to just, um, I want to pray for you as well. So if everyone could close their eyes and bow their heads. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time or for the first time in a long time and gave your life to Christ, while no one's looking around, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. I'm not going to point you out, but I do want to know who I'm praying for today. So take your first faith step as a new believer and lift up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Shoot it up right now and show me who you are. One, two, three, four, five. Awesome. 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 Lift up your hands and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those five people. God, I thank you that this weekend in every service we've seen people give you their lives. God, I thank you that you love us, that you sent your son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with you. I thank you that for these five people, that relationship starts now. That now they can hear your voice. Now you will lead them. Now you will guide them. God, thank you for them. I pray that the shame and the pain of their past will just break off in Jesus' name. God, you would help them to know who you say they are. And that you would help them to live their lives the way you call them to live it. So that they can experience this gift of life the way you planned it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, someone say amen and give God a shout of praise again. All righty, all righty then. Are you ready? Welcome to church. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, before I get on with it, I just want to say Lauren and the ladies, didn't you have a great night on Friday night? That was amazing. My wife preached her first sermon ever. And there's a great sermon on holiness, the beauty of holiness. Holiness is timeless. Holiness is not old school. Holiness was not for your grandma. Holiness is for you. God calls us. God set us apart from the beginning. It's crazy in the world. It's, it is not working. It is not working. It is not good. Brokenness. We've got more things than we've ever had before and more depression and anxiety and pain and suicide than ever before. What's happening in the world is not working. It is not good. It is not great. We're called to be holy, to be set apart, to live a different life so that when the broken people from out there come in here, they experience something that is different, something that is counterculture. We don't believe what they believe. We don't behave how they behave. We don't say what they say. We don't act like the world. Amen. It's different. It's weird to them, but it's life changing. She preached a great message on holiness. I was so proud of her. and I could preach the message again right now, you know. Holiness is not old school. It's now. It's now, amen. But uh, maybe I will preach your message sometimes. So. But I, she's got royalties on that. I'd have to give her money if I do that, you know. She's like, first sermon, and she's like, yeah, I trademarked that one. And I'm like, wow. She thinks she's going to be a big shot, so... Come on. But no, it was, a, it was a really good word. And actually, we wanted to honor Lauren um, and uh, for a great night. Bring out those flowers. And so just to say you did a great job. Great job. Oh, the hug was for me. I love you. Mwah. Oops, I nearly. Anyway, I wanted the hug. What is that? Piece of glass. There we go. So. Anyway, Lauren, you did a great job, and as the mother of this house, we just wanted to say thank you, and we love you, and you're awesome. Good job. Love seeing you step into the gift of God on your life. 
and the ladies were blessed, weren't you ladies? I watched it online. It was a little scary. Like they talk about some stuff in those girls' meetings that... Anyway. Hey, you can take your seats and then we'll stand up for the message in a couple of minutes. Um, Sorry for the the scriptures. Um, If you're new here... My name's Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here at Eternity Church, and we, um, we have a customer just standing up as we read the scripture, the main scripture of the day here. Um, before I get on with today's message, though, I want to do a quick recap on the bold thing, because we're in the middle of our bold um, campaign. Um, we started that in the first, I think, um, three weeks ago. This is the third week, um, and every week we just want to give you a, a quick recap on what that's about and, and what's going on there and, and why we're doing that. Um, I want to encourage you to go watch the sermon online, okay? So go online. You can go to YouTube um, and then, or, or on our website and find that sermon, myeternity.com forward slash bold. Um, you can find that on there. I'll tell you a bit more about why we're doing this and what God's done. There's an abridged version as well, uh, 25 minutes, but I would recommend you go watch the whole sermon, okay? And see why we're doing what we're doing and what God's called us to do. Uh, quick, um, just to give you a quick recap though of what we're doing there. Um, we 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 got to build a new building out there because in 2021, 2020 we tanked and then doubled, and then we doubled again in 2021. Sorry, 2020 we tanked with the rest of the world, but then unlike most churches, we doubled back and then we doubled again last year, um, and then and we're growing again now with new people every week. Um, and, and it's because at Eternity Church, we are set apart. We are not affirming what the world affirms. We are not chasing what the world chases. We're not preaching uh, sermons that have the world's stamp of approval. We're preaching the whole truth and nothing but the truth from the Word of God. Amen. And because of that, as we're lifting up Jesus, full of truth and full of grace, real Jesus, um, God is, as Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto myself and uh, and he's just doing that here at Eternity Church. And so we're going to build a new building out the front there, like straight out that way. <clears throat> and um, um, what we're believing is that we need to pay cash. We believe the Lord told us not to do 2.5 and borrow 5, but to pay cash. Because what we don't want is to be a church that preaches the truth and then has some other organization uh, just have us in their grip and, and then pull some morality clause or something and be like, we have to separate from you call in the debt, and then there it is, you know. We, we, we want to, without fear, uh, without any care of what the world says, just preach the gospel, amen. And so we believe that God has called us to raise the whole $7.5 million cash um, that we will start building next summer or next fall, depending on permitting and stuff like that. Uh, and then that when we move in 18 months later, we'll pay it off, and that'll be that, amen. So... But again, go to the thing. Don't be that person who's like, oh, I don't know about that, when you didn't even go do the work and watch the message, okay? Don't be lazy Christians. <clears throat> do the work, watch the message, and see if the Holy Spirit might speak to you about how you can get on board with what God is doing here because God is doing tremendous things in the hearts and the minds of people all around Iowa because of a church that is boldly willing to lift up who Jesus is, amen? So three real quick pictures, just want to show you real quick. We're adding a 1,200-seat auditorium out there. This whole building becomes the youth and student wing. Um, and then new lobby, kitchen, things like that. Lots of great stuff out there. This brilliant building. We've been so blessed with this building. God's been so good to us here. And um, we really are grateful uh, for it. And it's just going to make a great space for our next gen, for our student ministries. Amen. And um, I want to show you a pic. That lobby out there will be transformed, the whole building. But it'll become a kids' lobby, secure, per- perfectly secure youth and student lobby where kids can hang out out there. They're safe. They're being watched by our safety team and, and, and even our coppers that come and help every week as well. Um, the new entranceway will look like this. Um, so the kids can go in that door, or parents with kids, everyone else in here. There's a joining between the two as well. But that's what it'll look like, just updated, um, just really clear where to go and what's happening there. There'll be an entrance here on the exact other side of the building as well. So we can finally use the other parking lot over there as well, that we purchased the rights to that 200 parking spots about three and a half years ago, um, along with the triangle of land out the front. And so that's really good as well. Uh, and then, but, but before that, my favorite thing about it, 
like it's great, but here's my favorite thing about it. This is what it'll look like from the main road from Willis Automotive from 100th Street. We're lifting Jesus up, amen. And um, I just, I, I, we just want to preach Jesus, you know? Like we're not trying to be a mega church. We're not trying to grow. God's blessing it. We'll do what, we'll steward whatever he gives us. But we just want to lift Jesus up, you know, lift the name of Jesus over our church, over our city, over our state, over our politics, over, over our country. We just want to lift up the name of Jesus, amen. And so we're just, you know, we, we, we're doing a few things to make sure we can do that. And we didn't just want to put a cross up there because, uh, you know, the cross means nothing to the world anymore. You know, you got gangbangers that are on their way to murder someone and get a cross tattoo on the way there, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, and, and the cross is empty, and I love the cross. I'm grateful for the cross, but I want, I, I want the world to know that, that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus, amen. That when an atheist or someone who's suicidal or someone who's broken is driving down the street in the middle of the night, down Swanson Boulevard, down 100th Street, and they're like, God, are you real? God, send me a sign. Well, in the middle of the night, there's a big backlit Jesus glowing in the dark, three stories high. Come on. So I'm excited about it. Every letter is the size of a man. And so it's just really big up there. And then that's a baptismal and a fountain out the front there. I'm looking forward to baptizing people. Hundreds and thousands of cars driving past every day as we're baptizing people. People driving past going, man, look at all those smiles. Look what God's doing there. People's lives being transformed under the power of Jesus. Amen. And so anyway. So. So anyway, we're asking you to boldly join us for the sake of eternity. Pray about what your family can give over and above your tithe. Next weekend, we're going to receive our pledges. Here's the crazy thing. We have not received the pledges yet. We only launched this two weeks ago, okay? We only told y'all two weeks ago. But before we even launched, someone had already written a million-dollar check and said, let's go. We want to lift Jesus up with you. They hadn't seen a picture or nothing. They were like, let's go, right? And then another one to 1.5 million was pledged by other people around the church. So before we even launched, we were at about 2.5. And then in that, that second service, the first Sunday service of, of launch weekend, someone else said, text me. And they're like, you know what? Put me down for a million as well. And I was like, well, giddy up. Can you write the check today? You know? Now, I tell you that at a risk. The risk is some of y'all might be like, well, they don't need me. No, we need to do this together. I tell you that so that your faith rises, so that you realize God is in this. God has made, it was God that said, don't do 2.5, go for the full 7.5. And then before we launched, we passed my original goal. Why? Because God is in this. It matters what mountain you climb, Amen. And God is in this, and I just encourage you to pray. We'll receive those pledges next weekend, and, uh, and that will be fantastic. And, no, and yes, we are, though we want everyone involved, we are still, still open to million-dollar checks. Just, <laughs> you got one? Good. She could write one. It'll bounce, but you could write one. And so come on. So anyway. And then after that, um, 20th, 28th and 29th is our local Legends weekend. Um, you'll receive your bold um, boxes um, that week as well, which is a box to say thank you to everyone who pledges. Uh, and then we start a new sermon series June 4th and 5th, which I'm thinking I might title Culture Wars. Because mm, it's got to be different in here. Amen. But anyway, but right now, right now, Right now, i got a sermon for y'all. And um, I'm going to preach a sermon on something that, that has the, potal, the potential to affect every area of your life. Okay? Wouldn't that be a great sermon? Who wants to, a sermon that could affect every area of your life? Right? Yeah? Well, guess what? I'm preaching on tithing. Whoa. Hello. I'm preaching on money today, and I figured, you know what, we, we got to mention money every week this month, right? Every service, we got to mention it. Last week, we didn't preach on money, but it was probably talked about for three minutes because of the bold campaign, right? If I got to throw out numbers like $7.5 million every week for the whole four weeks, then I'm like, man, the haters are going to hate, right? People were like, pastors shouldn't talk about money. 
Well, they're going to hate us this month anyway. We're going to get their bad reviews anyway. So I was like, well, you know what? While the haters are hating, let's lean all the way in and preach on tithing too. So I figured, you know what? That way they can just hate us in May, and then they come back in August, they'll be like, all right, all right, all right. They didn't do it now, you know? So anyway, we figured we'd go all the way in. And I haven't preached on tithing in church. I did it in DNA, but I haven't preached on tithing in church for over two years. And that's actually really bad. I'm, I usually try to do it every single year. And I, I have not done it for over two years. As far as I know, I can't remember doing it for over two years, maybe three years. Um, but whenever I've preached this message, and I modify it a little bit every time, but whenever I preach this particular message and use the particular illustration that I'm using today, I get hundreds of messages from people that say it's one of the best messages, one of the best illustrations on tithing that they've ever heard and help them understand tithing. And so I don't say that to big note us or to say, wow, we're so cool. But just to tell you that you are fortunate that you're here today, the day we're talking about money. Okay. So you're hearing, you know, if you're new, you, you came the one weekend out of the whole year that I'm preaching on tithing. And that's a good thing for you, all right? That is, you're, you're fortunate. See, so many preachers are scared to preach on money. The topic of money, wealth, investing, tithing, it's mentioned over 800 times in the Word of God. It's a lot. Come on, it's a lot, right? And so when people say that pastors shouldn't preach about money, what they're really saying is, I want the preacher to preach a sermon that convicts everyone else, but not me. If you're someone who hates it when a preacher preaches on money, listen, it's a massive topic in the Word of God. That's your issue, not mine, okay? And I pray today that God will help you see truth in that. See, money's involved in almost everything you do in your life, right? Your, your jocks cost money. That's Australian for undies. Your undies cost money. And then the pants that you covered your undies with cost money. Hopefully you covered them. They cost money. <clears throat> your socks cost money. The shoes you covered your socks with cost money. Your coffee cost money. The car you drove to get the coffee cost money. The gas you put in the car to get the coffee cost money. The gas you use to get to the gas station to get more gas cost money. The taxes you paid on the car cost money. The registration costs money. The insurance costs money. The parking meter that you got to put money in so that you can park your car on the road that you paid for with your taxes and then paid for to drive on it with your registration and paid for again costs money. The fine you get for not paying that costs money. And then you got to pay another special fine just to drive the car. It was the, designed, the way it was designed to be driven. Little fine the police give you for driving it the way it's meant to be driven. Come on. It all costs money. My kid's dirt bike costs money. Him coming off and face planting into concrete and getting stitches costs money. And people don't talk about, no, listen, money is involved in almost everything in your life. No, pastor, the best things in life are free. Name one. Your wife. Oh, she's expensive. She ain't free, all right? Like, do you even know what I had to do to woo a woman that far out of my league? It was not free. Come on, and she still ain't free. The maintenance fee is high. But worth it, praise God, hallelujah. You're worth it, baby, you're worth it. Your kids, kids are free in what universe? Are kids free? I've got five of them. I love them. They're worth it, but they are not free. Everything in your life costs money. So who wouldn't want to hear a message that has the potential to bless every area of your life, all the way down to your undies? Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on. This message will help you live a healthier, fuller, more abundant life. One of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote about God's desire that we would not only experience life, but have an abundant life. Amen. Now, abundance is different for everybody, and your abundance should never be compared to someone else's experience, but rather your life without honoring God compared to your life honoring God, and you will see what abundance is. Don't look at me and, and compare it to me. You'll either feel better or worse. 
But look at your life honoring God compared to your life not honoring God. And that's what abundance looks like. Amen. So let's look at what all that means in our finances today. And today I want to talk about where our finances come from, what God calls us to do with them, what that looks like, and what God does for those who honor Him with their finances. Would you all mind standing up as we read our main text, please? James chapter 5, all right? I love the introduction. Now listen, you rich people. (laughs) Quite the introduction. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and you wail because of the misery that has come on you. Your wealth has rotted. Your moth have eaten your clothes. Your mold and silver, uh, sorry, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh in the lake of fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Who's crying out against them? Well, the workers in the next verse, but right here, the wages, the treasure that they stole is testifying against them in a court of law. The cries of the harvesters also have reached the ears of the Lord God Almighty. Heavenly Father, help us unpack this serious but freeing verse. God, thank you for everything you've brought in our lives. I pray you help me preach this word boldly with conviction, full of truth, dripping with grace. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all may high-five three people and take your seats. Come on. <clears throat> all right. I still got half an hour. All right. All right. High-five. Come on. Thank you. You're amazing. Worship team. Now listen, you rich people. What a way to address a crowd, right? I know some of y'all might read that and you're like, whoa, that's intense. Is Pastor Jesse hating on a rich folk right now? No, no, I'm not. Is James hating on rich people right now? No, because that would be confusing. Why, Why would he do that? When it's God in Scripture who says that as you honor Him, it's God who provides the wealth and the increase, right? Didn't God say, press down, shaken together, running over, pouring into the lap? Come on, wasn't that God who said that? So if God said all that, why the hostility here? Why is James attacking these rich people like that, right? Hey, rich people. No, 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 listen. James is not saying, rich people. You're stupid. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you rich people are being stupid. Do you see the difference? He's not saying, rich people, you're behaving ungodly. He's saying, you rich people are behaving. You, the ones who are complaining that your treasure is decaying. The ones who are complaining that your crops are rotting. Bugs are eating your stuff. He's talking to them. Specific, complaining, rich folks who are seeing their stuff destroyed. So church, I want to talk to you. i got a sermon to preach for you that I believe can affect your whole life. So many areas of your life. When you can trust God in your finances, it's amazing how much faith will rise and you'll trust God in all the other areas of your life as well. Amen. But with this particular story here, as I look at James and what's going on in 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 this particular passage, something is wrong. There's something wrong with this story. Their treasure is testifying against them. Can you imagine your bank account balance is crying out to heaven, telling God a story about you? Saying, this person is evil, God. Their treasure is testifying against them. Why isn't God protecting their crops? Why is their treasure eroding? Jim Carrey, just there. That's from a movie, sorry. Why is their treasure eroding? Why are moth eating their stuff when God promised that he would protect it from the pests of the field? Right? God promised to open the floodgates of heaven on our lives. He promised to protect our treasure from decay and to protect it from the mouth of the moth. So a very important question we have to ask here is why is that? not happening with these specific rich people. 
So we're going to look at what these people are doing. We're going to look at what God told them they need to change. But first, I want to be really clear because with that passage, people get a little nervous and they're like, well, is this one of those churches that has a problem with rich people? No, listen, being wealthy is not sin. Come on. Being wealthy is not sin, okay? It's not sin. Time and time in the Word of God, we see God created wealth in people's lives, okay? Being wealthy is great. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. My most misquoted text in the whole Word of God, that and along with that rich people can't get through an eye of a needle, so they're going to hell. Listen, that verse says, but nothing is impossible for God. So in other words, rich people and poor people are both going to hell if they don't accept Jesus Christ. Read the whole Bible. Come on. Come on, right? There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. In fact, it's a good thing. I heard someone once say, being wealthy, being, being rich doesn't make you happy, but it certainly makes being miserable a lot more fun. All right? Listen, money is not evil, Okay? nothing wrong with it. It's a good thing to act righteous, to be wealthy, and to live generous. Eternity Church is not a rich people bashing church. In fact, by biblical standards, y'all are rich. Not me. Yes, you. Yeah. By biblical standards, y'all are rich. In fact, you were probably, you're probably at a similar wealth level to the people that this passage is actually talking to. You know that? Now, most of you are rich biblically. By a world standard, all of you are rich. Come on. By a world standard, you are rich. The average family income in the world is well below $10,000 a year. So if you're at $20,000 a year, guess what? You're loaded. People are like so uncomfortable right now. They're like, look, I just want to pick on Bezos. I just want to pick on Musk. No, you're loaded. And when you fail to recognize that, you fail to be grateful to God for what He's already done in your life. You're loaded. Come on. Come on. If you're at $50,000 a year or more, you are the super rich. We got to tax the super rich. That's you. You are the super rich. Come on. We're getting uncomfortable up in here today. I don't care. You're the super rich. If you, if you own an iPhone, drive a car, and earn five times the world average, you're the super rich. Come on. If your house has a bedroom for your car in it, you are the super rich. There are people in the world that just want a bedroom for them and their eight kids. Your car has its own bedroom. Come on, right? Perspective, right? Oh, it's easy to look at Bezos and be like, oh, nobody should be that rich without realizing that someone else somewhere else in the world is looking at you saying the same thing. Saying the exact same thing. Come on. You are the super rich. And when you look at someone like Bezos or, 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 and, the, and you're complaining about, oh, we need to equalize this. We need, listen, there are a lot of people everywhere else in the world that want to equalize what you got. All right? Come on, how about you just be grateful for what you have? Thank God for what you have. Steward what you have and let God use you in what you have. Amen? Because you're complaining about Bezos. Come on. Is like it's like it's just like it's like Bezos complaining about Musk. Nobody should be as rich as that. It's dumb. Let's start with gratefulness. Can I get an amen? So today we're going to talk about the four types of wealth in Scripture, with the presupposition, with the sorry, with the with the pre-understanding that we are the super rich on a world standard. Okay, because we're starting from a position of gratefulness. Amen. <clears throat> amen. So the four types of wealth in Scripture, we have the ungodly poor, we have the godly poor, we have the ungodly rich, and we have the godly rich. 
And so first we're going to look at the ungodly poor. And I know if I hadn't spent the last four minutes explaining to you how wealthy you are compared to the rest of the world, you would have potentially, some of you may have heard me say the ungodly poor, and you may have been, look, I am ungodly poor. I'm so poor that they, that I can't even afford the R, I'm, I'm poe. I'm so poe, I can't afford the whole alphabet, right? Look, I hope you're not the ungodly poor. I hope that's not you. Now, what being poor is not ungodly. That's not what I'm saying at all. But some people are poor because they're ungodly. So I'm not saying that poor people are ungodly, but that there exists within the poor a group of people who behave in an ungodly fashion and they are poor because of their behavior. You want, to, you want me to show you some examples? Some of y'all are immediately like, yes, the swindlers and the tax evaders. Nope, that's, we all know that stuff. Let's talk about some more categories of ungodly poor from the word of God. Are you ready for it? Laziness fits into that category. Come on. Scripture says a worker is due his wages. It doesn't say that, 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 that someone who doesn't work is due the worker's wages. It doesn't say that. It says a worker is due his wages. But that a lazy person will lose the little that they have. Think about the parable of the talents. Laura mentioned that last night. That God gave this and this and this. And one of them went and buried it and did nothing for fear and laziness and yada, yada, yada. And then the little that they had was taken and given to somebody else. Some people are so poor. Sorry, some people are poor because they're unwilling to work. And they're behaving in an ungodly way. And they will stay poor because of it. Come on. Now, notice I said unwilling, not unable. Some people are unable to work, all right? And we as a church and as a society have a biblical obligation to help the people who are unable to work, all right? I'm pro-welfare. I'm pro-looking after people who hit a hard time and are willing to do the work. I'm pro-helping those people. I'm pro-helping the people who are unable to work. I want to provide for them. I want to provide for their families, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Whoops. <coughs> Excuse me. See, there's like, uh, there's like one thing I love about Australia right now. One thing. Only one thing. Maybe one thing and 20 people. But... Um, you know, it went full commie the last two years, and I can't stand it. But, but there's one thing I love about Australia. It's a thing called work for the doll. What they do is, if you want to receive welfare and you're able to work, you have to apply for jobs, and you've got to submit a report every week that shows the 20 or 30 places that you applied for work, uh, and, then, and then you can keep getting welfare. Once you get to, I don't know if it's the three months or six months, there's a certain point where that welfare stops unless you're willing to work for the doll, right? Unless you're willing to start volunteering 20 hours a week or more in the community. And you can go mow lawns at a church, wash windows at a business, you can go serve at St. Vinny's, or you can go serve at the Salvation Army, but if you're, or you can you can mow the grass for the community. You can mow lawns for the elderly. But if you're willing to volunteer, you will continue to get your welfare, right? That's a very biblical model of welfare, and I love it. It's amazing how many people get a job right about that time. Come on, right? And then people who have been stuck in a cycle of laziness learn how to work and they make connections with people who have the power to offer them jobs and write references. It's a great system. But I am not for just unending welfare for people who won't get out of the basement, people who won't turn off Netflix long enough to write a resume. Come on. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's not talking about care for them. No, 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 look, I'll feed your kids, but you get nothing. Get up and get a job. Get out of the basement. Turn Netflix off. Come on. Right? So many people, are, they, they want to be rich, but they won't mop a floor. They won't mow lawns. They won't clean a toilet. Come on. They won't take a job without recognition. They complain about everything, but they contribute nothing. Come on, let's not be lazy. It's ungodly, and it will keep you poor. Come on. 
They're not what you're expecting from the sermon today. Hey, come on. Someone say amen at least so I know I've got someone still with me. Good. You want to know another example of ungodly behavior that keeps people poor? Stubborn people. Proverbs speaks about this. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. But whoever heeds correction is honored and elevated. Come on, that's in Proverbs, right? Some people will hear a message like this on tithing, right? And be like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Well, stay stubborn, disregard it, and stay poor. Come on. Or they'll hear a message on this about not being lazy. They'll walk away and they'll be like, ah, you know, that's not for me. You know, I'm more of a brain. Well, you ain't got an opportunity to use your brain because you won't get out. Come on. And then that's it. And the stubbornness will keep them poor. I tell you this so that you don't have to stay poor. Amen. Another group of people that would fit into the ungodly poor would be people who make excuses. Well, if I had what they've got, you would burn it. Come on. You know the stories about people who win the lottery when they're not ready for that kind of money? And at the end of it, they're more broke than they were at the start. Come on, right? Well, if I had what they've got, if I had their start, if I had this, if I had that, come on. No, no, no. It's funny how favor and blessing seem to follow those who work hard, listen to instruction, and honor God. Right? It's funny how, isn't it amazing how lucky hard workers seem to be? Right? Come on. But we, have, we live in a world that glorifies victimhood. I'm here because of what they did to me. I'm stuck in this because of what my daddy did, what my daddy's daddy's daddies did. And we glorify victimhood. And we got people and, and they're like, well, I'm a victim because of this history. And I'm a victim because of this history. Well, I'm a victim because of this plus this plus this. And all the intersectionality makes me the biggest victim of them all. And we've all got to bow down and be like, oh, glory to the greatest victim. Had I have known you were, you were the, the perfect example of intersectionality and victimhood, I'll give you everything I've got. It's ridiculous. Christ did not die so you could be a victim, but that you could have victory. Amen. That you could be raised up out of the ashes. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm not saying that what happened in your life is your fault. It may very well not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. I grew up in a trailer. I grew up in a trailer. Come on. You know what, though? If I wanted to be a victim, you don't even know what happened in my family, how messed up my family is, my history is. If I wanted to be a victim, I'd be on drugs. I'd be a drunk. I'd have gone to prison a couple of times. I'd still be living in a trailer. Come on, no, but I decided I'm going to give my life to Christ, and I'm going to submit myself to the Word of God, and I'm going to take responsibility for my life. Come on, stop making excuses. Can I get an amen? amen? It's time for the ungodly poor to try it another way. Maybe they should try it God's way. Can I get an amen? And now I've got 15 minutes left. But I know you all and y'all will give me 20. <clears throat> then there's another type of poor, the godly poor. And on the flip side of that I want to just quickly, I'll go through this one quickly because that's probably hardly anyone in this room, but I do want you to know this. Being poor does not make you more godly. There is no godliness in whether you're poor or rich. Being poor does not make you more godly, just like being poor does not make you less godly. Mother Teresa was no more saved or unsaved, sanctified or unsanctified than the richest person in the room today. Being poor does not mean that you are not saved. It does not mean that you are. But I want to share some important things about the godly poor. Now, remembering this does not affect most Americans on a world scale. But relatively speaking, you may still feel that way based on the place where you find yourself today. The thing I want you to know is this. God protects the godly poor. A good warning to evil people is Proverbs 22. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and he will exact life for life. Now, it doesn't mean show favoritism to the poor in court either. Actually, there's another scripture as well that says, do not show favoritism to the poor because they are poor. Okay? Be fair. Amen? The Lord will take up the case. What God's saying here 
He's saying, don't mess with my poor people. Don't mock my poor people. Don't take advantage of my godly poor people. You will not like the consequences of messing with God's poor people. Amen. If you're honoring God and you still feel poor, don't worry. God's got your back. Don't repay evil for evil. Let God get your back. Amen. Stand firm. Stand strong. Keep, keep honoring God. God's going to elevate you. One thing I know about this, if you honor God, you will not be poor forever. Amen. You'll be elevated in this life or the next. Hallelujah. But you will not be poor forever. Elevation is coming. Can I get an amen? amen. Psalm 113 says, He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heaps. He sits them with princes and with the princes of his people. You will not be poor forever. Amen. Now let's get to the um, ungodly rich, and then soon I'm going to show you something really cool that will help you understand tithing, okay? When it talks about the ungodly rich, this is people like Pharaoh from the Word of God, King Herod, the rich young ruler, people who put their trust in their finances, not God. It's not people who have finances, it's people who trust their finances over God and don't honor God in their finances, come on. People who mistreat people, people who abuse people, people who don't pay people, come on. People who forgot where their blessing came from. Maybe God blessed their lives. And once they got to the top, they're like, ah, it's good now. I'm fine now. I'm going to do it a different way now, right? They are the ungodly rich. That's who James was writing the letter to. They abused their workers. They didn't pay a fair rate. In fact, they didn't pay at all. Scripture says to be a kind boss, but they were ungodly with their wealth. They were ungodly with their power. They weren't honest. They didn't pay the worker the, the, the wages they were due. They didn't leave some around the edges for the poor of the land. Scripture talks about when you harvest your crop to leave, to leave a part around the edges for the poor of the land. That's not even your tithe. That's on top of that. It's supposed to leave some around the edges for the poor. What does that mean? That's so that the poor people in the land could come and get some food and get some stuff that they might be able to use in their family too, right? We're supposed to leave room. What does that mean? That means if your budget hasn't left any room around the edges to help someone less fortunate than you, your budget is not honoring God. Hello. Welcome to church, super rich people. Right? We want to honor God, amen? The Bible is full of principles of how to use our finances to honor God. They did not do that. They took advantage of God's poor people, and it caused them to be outside God's favor and blessing. And we're going to come back to these cheeky little buggers in a couple of minutes. But first, I want to look at the godly rich, okay? <clears throat> Hopefully, that's most of us in here. If not, it's who most of us in here want to be, amen? Amen. Yeah, <laughs> that was a scary moment. <laughs> not me. Okay. There's a church down the road for you. I'm just kidding, just kidding. The godly rich. These are people who obey God's commands. These are people who understand what God calls us to do with our finances. These are people who love to honor God and love to honor people with their money. They're the generous ones. They're generous to God. They're generous to people. So how do we make sure that we are the godly ones and not the ungodly ones, right? Remember the ungodly ones before. How do we make sure that we're not them, the ones whose wealth is decaying and moth are eating their stuff? As I read that scripture from James, did it sound like perhaps it sounded like a New Testament reaffirmation of something you'd heard in the Old Testament? Parts of it, you're like, this sounds familiar, right? It sounds a lot like what Malachi, the Italian prophet, wrote in the last book of the Old Testament. I think you Americans call it Malachi, right? <laughs> We call him Malachi, the Italian prophet. So. But Malachi talks about this exact thing in his instructions about tithing. And, and, and he, he's writing a, a word from the Lord. And the Lord says, I, the Lord, do not change. <clears throat> you might want to remember that moment too. When God's like, I'm going to tell you something, but before I tell you the thing, I want to tell you I ain't going to change. Right? Hello. I, the Lord, do not change. Yeah, but no, no, I do not change. All right, he says. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. 
But you ask, how are we to return? What's interesting is the specific area that God is saying that has caused affliction on their lives. He didn't say you got to stop worshiping false gods and this and that and yada yada. He goes, you're robbing me. It was all about the tithe here at this moment, in this particular part. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But we ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings. You're under a curse, a whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And watch me throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to store it. Sound familiar? Stored up. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The moth won't eat your clothes. Come on. And the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Your stuff will stop corroding, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for, they, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. I love that it ends with another testifying moment where their treasure is testifying to the world that God is good. The ones in James, their treasure was testifying that they are evil people. Here, it's different. Wow. God says specifically in this, I don't change. Oh, by the way, Jesus said the same thing. People always be like, Jesus didn't mention tithing. The only people who say that are people who don't read their Bibles. Because Jesus did say it. And it's reaffirmed repeatedly in the New Testament, including Jesus, right? Jesus actually made it harder. He's like, I want you to do a tenth and look after people as well. Come on. He says it. And the blessing will be so abundant that you'll be overflowing and others around you will be blessed by it. The ungodly rich did not honor God with the tithe and they did not honor others with the blessing that came from it. If they had used what God gave them to love others, and if they had used what God gave them to tithe, he would have given them more. So today I want to show you the first thing God calls us to do with our our finances. And that's five with our finances and that's tithe. So can I get my tables up here? Some of you, while they're setting up, some of you literally don't know what tithing means. You're like, what does it even mean? It means one-tenth, literally. That means it's 10%, okay? So tithing at 5% is not a thing. It's an oxymoron. It's like having a a pretty ugly person, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're not the same thing. They're different, okay? That's called a fifth. All right. I'm sorry, that's called 5%. Tithing means 10%. All right. So I'm going to show you what this means. And we did this a few years ago. For the sake of this exercise, I want you all to remember, I want you all to think you're a fruit and veggie farmer. Okay. We got any farmers in the room? Give me a wave if you're, if you're from a farm, owning a farm, living a farm. Come on, get any farmers in the room? Is it just me? Oh, no, there's, there we go. We got some farmers. I grew up on a dairy farm, and uh, we know the dairy farmer's handshake. Do you all know the dairy farmer's handshake? Yeah, run up here, Fritz. We're going to show everyone the dairy. Run, run, Fritz, run. Come on, come on. We're going to show you all the dairy farmer's handshake. You ready for this? Okay, do this. No, it's not hug time. It's sermon illustration time, all right? Do this. There we go. This is the dairy farmer's handshake. God bless you. Get off my stage. (laughs) He's like, I I feel abused. So that time. So I'm a farmer, so I, I understand this illustration. It, it seems to make sense to me because I know what it's like to have to go and harvest some crops and bring it all in. And, but let's pretend that you get paid in fruit and veggies. We're all fruit and veggie farmers. You've worked hard, right? Because God gave you the ability to earn wealth and income. And Scripture says that everything that we have comes from God, right? And that everything we have is God's, and we're called to be stewards of that. So as my crops come in, um, I've got 10 bags of potatoes coming in. This is my first paycheck, all right? 10 bags of potatoes. And I look at this and I'm like, oh, potatoes. I love potatoes. You can scallop them. You can mash them. You can turn them into chips or fries, as y'all call them, but they're chips to me. And you can turn them into potato chips, which is the other type of chips. I don't know why we say it like that in Australia. But anyway. We got this first bag of potatoes, and I look at it, and I'm like, I could give this to someone. I could give this to, 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 you know, I could give this to my kids. I could eat these. But instead, I'm giving God the first bag of potatoes. Thank you for everything you've given me, Lord. This is your table, Lord. Thank you. And then I get all the rest of the potatoes. Look at all these potatoes. These are my potatoes. Come on. I get all the rest of these potatoes and 
We got jumbo russets. Praise God. Thanks for the potatoes. And then, then, uh, then my oranges come in. It's orange season, and uh, I can make orange juice, all sorts of things. My kids love oranges. I could give these oranges away, but instead, the first thing I want to do is say, God, thank you for giving me the ability to earn wealth, that everything I have comes from you. I'm grateful, and I trust you, and I consecrate all of this back to you by giving you the first bag of oranges. Amen. Then now I get something else. Now I got onions. Onions are great and I love them. Give you onion breath, but they taste delightful. Put them in everything, right? I'm going to give God the first bag and then all other nine bags of onions are going on my table, right? Look at this. Look at all these onions. Look at them all. Look at them all. They're all mine. Look at my onions. Come on. And then I've got some apples coming in over here. And then let's be careful with God's stuff, mate. Come on. And the first bag of apples goes to God. I love apples. They're amazing. Have apple juice, apple pie, apple cider, non-alcoholic at church, unless it's for communion, I guess. I don't know. Speaking of which, any, hey, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't put my apples on the table till I give God his ones. You can stand there with them, but I don't, I don't want, yeah, there we go. You can stay there. You can wait there. You can wait there. It's all good. But see, like, like the, um, the, I want to give God the very first one. I don't want to take mine till I give God his. Amen. Now I can put mine on my table, right? I give it to God first. God's first. What do we got here? Lemons. Praise God. I love lemons. I, I, I like to just have a few of them every morning. Delicious. Love lemons. Um, I'm going to get 10 bags of lemons. God gets the first bag of lemons. So you can bring out all my lemons now. I've got nine other bags that are going on my table over here. Give me a look. Yeah, yeah, I've already put my lemons down there. I've already given God his bag. Let's have a look. Can I have some? Man, these are great lemons, aren't they? Man, look at all these lemons. I love them. Man, I'm living a blessed life, aren't I? Look at all that. Now I'm going to get a bag of what? Carrots? Awesome. My first bag of carrots. I'm give God the first bag of carrots. Thank you, Lord, for the carrots. In Australia, we went on it. Yeah, in Australia, you, yeah, as soon as I put them down, you can put mine down. There we go. Um, in Australia, we went on this big carrot juice binge. Did everyone do that in America as well? Where it's like you weren't cool unless you were drinking carrot juice every morning and then everyone turned into orange people. It was weird. Anyway, God gets my first bag of carrots. And then what do I get next? Capsicums. Come on. Or what you call peppers. But the rest of the world call them capsicums. That's why it's called capsicum spray. Ah, in your eyeballs, right? The first bag of capsicums that I get goes to the Lord, sorry, and then the rest of the capsicums can all go on my table. You can bring them out and just wait. Just don't put them on there yet. That's all. You can be like this. Okay. The first bag for God, the, the rest of them are for me. They go on my table. Then I got some limes. You know why God made limes? Because he knew someone was going to invent soda water and it would taste like trash if we didn't put lime in it. So he's like, limes. And then thousands of years later, we're like, oh, that's why. And so... But anyway, we put limes, the first bag of limes goes to the Lord, even though I could do all sorts of things with it, and the, all the other bags of limes are mine. Tomatoes, someone say tomato, and someone say tomato. Tomato sounds so much cooler. And so the first bag, the first batch of tomatoes, same thing, right? Everything that comes into my life, I give the first tenth to God. Out of everything that comes into my life, I give the first tenth to God. And then the rest of them are mine. What else have I got now? Cucumbers. Cucumbers. And so again, bag of cucumbers. Thank you, Lord. I could sell this to someone else. I could give this to someone and look generous. But I, instead, I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to honor God with 10% of everything that comes in. Cantaloupe. Who likes cantaloupe? Do you ever have it just with like heavy whipping cream? That's Australian. It's delicious. Anyway, God gets the first one. I get all other 10 cantaloupes. I'm going to put that somewhere. That it, There we go. And then what do we got now? Bananas. Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Bananas. Come on. Banana, right? I, get the, I give God the first one. Do you see what's happening here? See, this is all God asks for. That's what I get. Keep going. There we go. There we go. What else have we got here? We got all this stuff. Let them see this stuff. Let them see this stuff because we got it too deep. Here we go. Bring it up here. Show them this. These are all my bananas. Look at all my bananas. 
I've been so blessed. Oh, we got a pineapple. Come on. Do y'all put pineapples on your burgers? We do. Put a slice of pineapple on our burgers with some tomato and some beetroot and an egg. It's delicious. God gets the first pineapple. All the other pineapples are mine. Bring them around here. Show everyone my pineapples. Come on, bring them around here. Look what I got. Look at all this stuff. This is all mine. This is all mine. This is all mine. Here we go. You guys are being too neat. Let everyone see it. I'm not being as neat as you guys. There we go. They're all like, they're like Tetris over here. They're, they're just brilliant, these people. Is this the last thing? And then this. There we go. And then, and then we got a watermelon. I saw a video where someone drew a hole in it and then they put a beater in there and they turned it into a slushy inside the thing. Amazing. I want that so bad. But instead, I'm going to give God the first one. All right? The first one. And then all the other ones are mine. So thank you, guys. Look at this. Look at all my stuff. This, my friends, is tithing. Right here, we have 90%. Over here, we have 10%. This is all God is asking for. And look at all my fruit and veg. What's crazy is this is God's. Mine is two tables deep. Two tables deep like this. And this is what God lets me keep as I trust Him. This is before He's even blessed it. This is just with His protection on it. That's it. And I get all of that. What the rich people were doing is, um, let's say they wanted, they were hungry. They're like, man, I'm hungry. I've got all this. I've got a, I'm, I really want an apple. Where are the apples? Over there. They, no, you know what? And then they'd come over and they'd take one of God's apples. How shady does it look when I've got that and I'm going to go and take an apple from that pile? And that's what God would say, will a mere mortal rob me? You want an apple and you take it from my table. Jesus reaffirms it. Paul reaffirms it. James reaffirms it, that we're called to tithe. It's part of Christian living. It's one of the things we do to honor God in our, in our lives. And it can honor, it can affect every area of our lives as we trust God by giving Him the tenth. Look at that compared to that. Everything came from God anyway. And He's saying, consecrate this part back to me. I'll bless all that. And I'm going to use this for the kingdom of God, for the mission, for the church, for the purposes of God on earth. Give that bit back. And I'll protect that. And then I'll bless that. That's what it looks like before it's even been blessed. Can I get an amen? amen? This is what some people do. Jesus said tithe and. Someone say and, right? Tithe and, right? Some people will do this. They're like, <clears throat> I want to be generous. I want to pay for someone's groceries. I want to do this. I want to do that. And what we'll do is like, we'll come over and we'll be like, you know what? I want to help you or I feel convicted in my heart that I need to bless you. Like, I want to give you some cucumbers. All right? You guys are amazing. Great couple. I love you. I just really want to bless you. I just, I just love you so much. I'm going to give you some cucumbers. Here you go. Now, I took it from God's pile. I took it from the tithe. So, so I, I feel good because I gave them cucumbers. I'm going to get recognized because I gave them cucumbers. They're going to love me because I gave them cucumbers. But I gave them God's cucumbers. Can I tell you, it's not generous to reallocate your generosity. It's not generous to reallocate your tithe, all right? We're called to tithe, and if I want to give them, let's put that back. Let's, it just feels wrong. Now, uh, you know what? If I want to be generous, I'm going to load you up from over here. Okay? Here you go, guys. Yeah. There you go. There you go. God bless you. Thank you. Come, sir. And so, if I want to bless you, see, that's tithing, and that's generosity coming from that pile. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, why did I do that? Number one, what I wanted you to know is um, 
that we're going to build this building. Can we put Jesus lifted high back on the screen? We're going to build that out there. Absolutely. Super excited about that. Um, But what I want to tell you is this. I don't want people to do it from that pile. See, it's not tithing when we give it and we say it's only for this reason. No, that's not the main storehouse. That's a specific little storehouse down the bottom to the left. Okay? What we want to do is we want to teach people to honor God first. Yes, though we could, we, it, may, it may work out better. We may get better reviews on Google if we just ask you to give to that. But what I would prefer, if you don't tithe, don't give to the bold campaign. If you don't tithe, because I, I don't want to... I don't want to do that. If you don't tithe, don't give to the bold campaign. I mean that. I really do mean that. Tithe first. Okay? Okay? Tithe first and then go after and above and give to the bold campaign. Amen? Talking to you if you come to this church, all right? And so if your mom visits from another church and wants to write that check, she can. Okay? (laughs) But... So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to challenge you to start tithing 10% before tax and watch God bless your life. Six months later, you'll be like, wow, this has been fantastic. If you don't come to this church, if you go to a different church, I want to challenge you, start tithing. Don't tithe here, please. Do the right thing. You're supposed to tithe to your local church. So I'd encourage you to do that. Start tithing at your local church and God will look after us. You look after your church, okay? It'll really bless your church if you start doing that. Um, and then tell your pastor that he should be bold and teach about this because it has the ability to impact every area of your life, you know? So we want to do that. We started sharing this during the bold campaign because we thought it would be helpful for you to know. Start there, go there afterwards, amen? So would you all stand up with me? I want to pray for you. Don't leave just yet. I'm nearly done. Thanks for the extra few minutes. But do this for six months. You can give cash or checks here every week during our offering. What I'd encourage you to do is go to myeternity.com forward slash give and set up recurring giving every week or every fortnight or every month as you're paid. Uh, Do it for six months and watch God protect what's left over. Amen. I really have experienced in my life, my 90, go further than my 10. God's been so good to us. You know, it didn't all happen at once, but it did start to happen fairly quickly. Um, plus, but it's not about what we get back anyway, is it? It's about honoring God with the first fruits of our lives in Jesus' name. So we're going to open up the front. We're going to sing our way out. If you want prayer for anything, health, finances, marriage, relationships, anything in your life, if you care about it, God cares about it. If you come and get prayer, he's probably, usually what I find when people come to Jesus, he's like, go do this and then bang, right? If you come and get prayer, he's probably going to speak to you about something you need to change in your life to make it holy, to be set apart, to live his way, and then he'll bless it. Amen. So I'd encourage you to come down the front, get prayer. We'll pray for you. You can come and worship. Maybe, maybe this message spoke to you and you're in a bit of a mess financially and you're like, today I'm making a commitment. I'm going to make a change and I want to come down the front and just worship God down the front and set myself apart. You're welcome to do that as well. But right now, I want to pray for everybody, and then we'll dismiss the service. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.